0: So if you were to pick this one up at the local video rental store, the back of the VHS box reads, Our three heroes soon find that the sexy vampire hookers are a little horny after 137 years of celibacy. And now they kill their victims with love. Blood is not all they suck. It is on Tubi for free if anyone wants to check it out. Shit.
1: Man Crush's shit right there was the shit of a man who's going to stay up late watching that movie tonight now. (laughs) Uh,
2: And then I'm a little disappointed with you, Chucky, because you didn't bring any dead hookers. And Joe (laughs) and Mark, they both brought dead hookers.
3: I know, I know. That's that's the story of my life, you know? I'm the guy who brings dead hookers, so. What's up, Dueling Decades? This is Wax. Peace to all you guys, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Will it be the 90s or the 80s? Beanie Babies or Crack Babies? Will it be Nirvana or Madonna? Maybe Britney, maybe Whitney. Do you like new metal or new wave? Dave Grohl or Super Dave?
0: I don't know. But now the battle begins. Dueling Decades. Let's see who wins. Dueling Decades. Broadcasting from the Podcast New York Studios, it's another all-new Dueling Decades, the adult-only retro game show where the decades battle for supremacy because it's your history. We just fight for it. Welcome back, chuckleheads. I am Mark James, and this week we bring you a comedy-themed duel. I'll be competing with the comedy of 1978 alongside the other duelers and the decades they will be fighting for. First off, getting jiggy with the 90s, it's the media king of the north. It's Joe Finley.
1: Hey, 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 sitting in for Mark again, and this isn't so much man crush as it is, man, I like you, but not in that way. (laughs) All right, guys, I'm doing comedy for 1998, the year of our Lord, your Lord, my Lord, somebody's Lord. Let's get to it.
0: Also on the dais this week, representing the 80s, say hello to the host of the Garbage Pale Flicks podcast. It's Chucky Balzac.
3: Testing, one, two, niner. Thanks for having me. I'll be in the five timers club in no time at this point. I uh, have yet to pull off a win, so I'm overdue. And uh, this go-round, I have one of my favorite years ever, 1988. Uh, there's just too much rad going on in 88, as you will soon find out.
0: And as always here on the show, we need somebody to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. So back behind the bench, it's the one they call Man Crush. What's up, everybody? Yes, yeah, I'm behind the bench. This should be Woo! interesting. Got
2: the year that I was born, the year from the 80s that I hate the most, <laughs> and a year that uh, guys had frosted tips in their hair and thought it was cool.
1: <laughs> so this should be good. Joke's on you, suckers. I didn't have hair. <laughs> Damn, in 1998, you didn't have hair either? It it was starting to go away.
0: And... But he still had the frosted tips. Kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like a glare, glare
2: tip.
1: Yeah, they were on my neck. <laughs>
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. The judge's coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five Dueling Decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and hot products. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth Two points apiece, and in the event of a tie after all five rounds, we'll go to a final wild card round. Remember, duelers, to review the show, listen, subscribe, and play along at home. It's time for more. In decades. All right, let's toss it right down to Man Crush for the coin toss. All right, who's call? Who's calling this? Uh,
2: why don't we have Joe Finley call it this week? All right, Joe, you get a special uh, item. Oh. Uh, I'm drinking a Samuel Adams that I probably had since the summer and it tastes like shit. And I have the <laughs> cap because, of course, it's not a twist off, so it's a little bent. I don't know which way you'd have an advantage, but one side oh. says cheers. The other side says Samuel Adams. This free plug. For skunky uh, Sam Adams. Uh, where are you going? <laughs> cheers or Sam Adams?
1: All right, put my thing down, flip it, and reverse it to Cheers. All right. Because that's
2: an awesome show. Chucky.
0: <sighs> you did not get it. It's Cheers.
1: Cheers, Cheers, <laughs> Cheers, Cheers, <laughs> Cheers.
0: All right, Joe Finley, you win the coin toss. You get to select our first category.
1: All right. We're going to go with the news category to start this bad boy off. Uh, and I'm known for one thing is bringing the sadness in the news category, especially. And uh, unfortunately, even in a comedy theme, I have to do it again only because I I tried not to do this, but literally, it was too big of a story to ignore. Uh, May twenty first, nineteen ninety eight, Phil Hartman was murdered in his house by his wife, Bryn Omdahl, and she who took her own life when the police arrived. Uh, he was truly just one of the most like when you hear some somebody say an actor is a chameleon there is nobody who embodied that more than Phil Hartman he basically didn't change the way he acted but perfectly fit into whatever he was supposed to be um obviously known for you know uh, SNL and being Lionel Hutz on the Simpsons uh and but so many other things that he did uh something that some people may not know some probably the guys here know uh he not only performed in Pee-wee's Playhouse, but he co-wrote Pee-wee's Playhouse and Pee-wee's Big Adventure uh, with Paul Rubens. Uh, he was also the voice of almost every male character minus Dennis in Dennis the Menace, the uh, the animated series um he was you know he appeared in things like three amigos uh he was an uncredited voice of one of the dinks in space balls which i just actually found out <laughs> recently uh you know he did voices in the smurfs he did a lot of stuff and when you go through his career and there's a lot of bad movies in there but you there were bad movies you loved him in like cone heads and yeah. like uh so i married an axe murderer and uh like What was it? Loaded weapon and like just all these different things. He just showed up and he crushed it. And I remember this day and hearing that this happened. And it's a crazy thing to hear happen anyways. But for somebody who was basically just such a part of your pop culture life, just gone like that, you know what I mean? It was really something. So, I mean, I just there was other news that was nicer news or funnier news, but I had to, uh, I, I had to go with this one just cause it meant too much. Uh, so Phil Hartman being murdered uh, May 21st, 1998.
3: Wow. And you say, you saying that Joe reminded me of um, there. We just lost Saget. It's kind of a, you know, same thing. It's very odd, you know, just a weird yeah. feeling. It leaves you with a weird feeling, yeah. like part of your childhood literally gets mm-hmm. ripped from, you know, it's like, Whoa very yeah, sudden Just... yeah no
0: doubt well on that <laughs> note, chucky <laughs> it's over to you what did you bring for the news round los
3: angeles uh chronicle toon kills man marvin acme murdered at the hands of a jealous rabbit uh that's that's wrong i'm sorry that was roger rabbit from 1988 that was roger rabbit's 1988 <laughs> as well uh, the, 40th, the 40th Annual Primetime <laughs> Emmy Awards were held in Pasadena, California. The ceremony broadcasted on Fox, produced by comedy godfather Lorne Michaels, uh, with an opening comedic song skit by Jan Hooks and Nora Dunn from SNL alum, uh, as the Sweeney sisters lounge singing some of the TV's uh, famous greatest hits uh, before the host William Forsyth took the stage for the evening's awards. So we're just going to run down all the, uh, comed- the, the outstanding comedy series nominations. Uh, we had the TV series, The Wonder Years, Cheers, Frank's Place, Night Court, and The Golden Girls. Uh, of course, The Wonder Years took home that award that, uh, the, for, in 1988. Outstanding Lead Actor, Michael J. Fox for Family Ties, Dabney Coleman for Slatt Maxwell, uh, Ted Danson for Cheers, Tim Reed for Frank's Place and John Ritter for Hooperman, and that was taken by Michael J. Fox, of course, a Canadian favorite there, Joe. Um, Outstanding lead actress, uh, award went to uh, Golden Girls Bea Arthur, and uh, she was up against Rue McClanahan, uh, Betty White, two other Golden Girls, which is funny, they're all buying for the uh, best uh, actress. Uh, Kirstie Alley for Cheers, and someone named Blair Brown for The Days and Nights of Molly Dodd. Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy, uh, Cheers, uh, Woody Harrelson, uh, George Wendt, Kelsey Grammer, all Cheers. Uh, Peter Scolari for Newhart, and John Larroquette for Night Court. And John Larroquette took home the award that night. Outstanding Actress, uh, Supporting Actress, Estelle Getty Golden Girls won the For the Night. Uh, Julia Duffy Newhart, Rhea Perlman for Cheers, and uh, Mona from Who's the Boss, Jack A. Harry from 227. Uh, Despite the season um, that consisted of only six episodes, Newcomers, The Wonder Years, won for Outstanding Comedy Series. After winning his fourth consecutive Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedic Series, John Larroquette requested to have his name taken off the ballot for future ceremonies. Does it feel like 1988 yet, guys? Come on. Here it does in my mind. The 40th Annual Primetime Emmy Awards, Sunday, August 28th, 1988 on Fox. And notice there was no Fox shows nominated. (laughs) I found that very amusing in its own right. Well,
1: Fox didn't really Hmm. dig into having real shows until almost the next year. Well, it was the end of 88. Uh, or near the end when uh, Eight-
2: Married with Children came out. At 87, yeah. they came out, Married with Children. And, oh, uh, there you go. Yeah, so. <clears throat> but it was light. It was a very light schedule. They played a lot of movies, yeah. like older mm-hmm. movies and shit mm-hmm. like that. Yeah,
0: no doubt. All right, gentlemen. Uh, For my news this week, we'll go to the night of June 19th, 1978, to the kitchen of Mama Leone's Italian restaurant, where a star is born and a billion-dollar franchise. A comedic icon that would forever change the world of comics, cartoons, movies, merchandising, parade floats, plush toys, video games, bathroom literature, and our love for lasagna. This was the day Garfield was born. So let's go to the pages of the Star Press out of Muncie, Indiana, June 17th, 1978. Like cats? Don't like cats. If you fall into one of the above categories, or somewhere in between, you are bound to enjoy Garfield, who will be on hand beginning Monday morning to entertain readers of the Starz Comics page. Garfield is the creation of Muncie cartoonist Jim Davis, and his antics will become part of hundreds of daily newspapers' comics pages beginning June 19th davis whose previous cartooning experience includes servicing as an assistant to muncie's tom k ryan originator of tumbleweeds for the past nine years don't miss monday's star when garfield joins the daily comics page so then if we go ahead a few days to june nineteenth, 1978 in the comics page we find the very first syndicated garfield you got three panels here Uh, and the first one it's got garfield sitting on top of a desk and you have john there and it says hi there i'm john arbuckle a cartoonist and this is my cat garfield and then garfield thinking hi there i'm garfield i'm a cat and this is my cartoonist john john says our only thought is to entertain you and of course garfield is thinking feed me so it's garfield in national syndication in 41 newspapers across the country june 19th 1978 all right man crush let's toss it down to you for your verdict on the news round all right so let's just start right from the top with joe 1998
2: you're you're a fucking morbid human for a <laughs> comedy matchup this is what you bring i get it i get it um do you think he went to the movies with paul rubin i was thinking that when <laughs> you said that <laughs> And then it made me, uh, you actually left out this one, uh, House Guest.
1: Yes. Oh, yes. One of my favorite
2: movies, hands down.
1: And Jingle All the Way.
2: Yeah. Well, House Guest, I would recommend anybody play speed golf. If you get hurt, it's not on me, though, but it looks fun. (laughs) But that's, I mean, solid pick. Obviously, the dude was a staple of the 90s and yeah, obviously went beyond that to the eighties and uh went to the movies of Paul Rubens and stuff, so that's cool. Uh let's go to 1988. Uh this is comedy. And Chucky brings the Emmys. It was the comedy. was the comedy said the comedy section, the the comedy uh, category. The funniest part of the whole thing. I'm pretty sure you said William Forsyth hosted it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that blew, I,
1: my mind almost exploded.
2: William Forsyth. Wow. I
0: hope he looked just like he did in Cloak and Dagger. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> With the fucking bottle cap glasses yes. and his birth controls on. He did get shot in the head in that movie. Great I was watching watch a clip too.
3: and uh, what's the guy, Columbo? He was uh, doing the um, uh, Outstanding uh, Actress in a comedy series. I was like, Columbo? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I told you 1988
2: like I don't know why I always win with 88 because I can't stand this year because once again this is a year the Mets were one of the best teams in the league if not the best because now I've kind of like scraped it from my memory by now but they end up losing to the Dodgers <laughs> in the playoffs and the Dodgers go on to win the World Series.
3: Yeah, but it. we were 10, man, Crush. I mean, come on. Ten, ten. We were 10 years old. We had the whole whole world in front of us, you know? 10 is the prime <laughs>
2: baseball years because when you're 43, <laughs> you don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and props yeah. to fucking Ket for leaving that shit because the Emmys are just whacking. All right, so let's go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 78, Garfield. Uh, honestly, like, I'm more of a Heathcliff guy. Thank you. And uh, one thing that you said... Did you say Jim Davis serviced his assistant?
0: He served as his assistant.
2: Okay, that makes more sense. Here we go. (laughs) So we got uh, William Forsyth uh, servicing assistants and uh, going to the movies with Paul Rubens. Seriously, I got to go with Paul Hartman. As as damaged (laughs) as Joe (laughs) is. Who's Paul Hartman? Paul Hartman's his brother. Uh, Well, Paul Hartman, he was the guy that... You know, him and Paul Rubens, they go out together. He couldn't say he was Phil Hartman. So he said he was Paul Hartman, so nobody would forget his name. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I got to go with Phil Hartman. I mean, the, the dude was a legend. Uh, SNL, like, those were the best years for me uh, growing up and watching. Um, and it's just sad. Like, that whole story, it, it's fucked yeah. up. And it's kind of fucked up that I, I gave that to win a comedy round, but
0: he'd be laughing.
3: It's going to be a weird game, guys.
0: All right, Joe Finley, you pick up our first point. You take control of the board and you get to select our next category.
1: All right. All right. All right. Let us go into the hot products round. And this one's got good news written all over it. There's nothing, nothing morbid about this one. So we're doing okay. Uh, September 16th, 1998. That's my mom's birthday. If anybody gives a shit, (laughs) Um, Steve Martin released a collection of essays called pure drivel. And in that, so a lot of the essays that were in there were a compilation of things that he wrote for the New Yorker, but then there were a bunch of brand new ones as well. Um, What I wanted to do is just wanted to read a quick little excerpt from the very first essay that's in the book, uh, just to give you a kind of an idea of what he was uh, putting out there at this time. So it was from something called the public apology. Looking out over the East river from my jail cell. Looking out over the East River from my jail cell and still running for public office, I realize I have taken several actions for my, uh, in my life which I owe public apologies. Once, I won a supermarket sweepstakes even though my brother's cousin was b- a box boy in that very store. I would like to apologize to Safeway Food, Inc. and its employees. I would also like to apologize to my family who have stood by me, especially my wife Karen, a wiser and more loyal spouse that could not be found. When I was 21, I smoked marijuana every day for one year. I would like to apologize for the next 15 years of anxiety attacks and drug-related phobias, including the feeling that when Ed Sullivan introduced Wayne and Schuster, he was actually signaling my parents that I was high. (laughs) I would like to apologize to my wife, Karen, who still believes in me, and to the Marijuana Growers Association of Napa Valley and its affiliates for any embarrassment it may have caused them. Once in Hawaii, I had sex with a 102-year-old male turtle. It would be hard to argue that it was consensual. I'd like to apologize to the Turtle, his family, the Kahala Hilton Hotel, and the hundred or so diners in the Hilton's Outdoor Cafe. So that's kind of where his mindset was at to get this book started. And he had another 20 or so essays in that. I read the book when I was this age, actually. When it came out, I had a copy of it, and I absolutely loved it. I had all his one-act plays, too, Picasso with the La Pana and the Underpants and Shop Girl, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I always loved his work. Basically anything he ever wrote. Was one of my favorite things ever going all the way back to when it to you know the jerk and the three amigos yeah. and everything else, right? Uh, so second straight round mentioning three amigos, let's see if we can go for five, but um, but yeah, it's just the man was an absolute hero of mine, and uh, that is a product that was hot. Steve Martin's book,
0: Pure Drivel, 1988. Very nice, yeah, Steve Martin's the king, man, fantastic pick. All right, Chucky, over to you. What did you bring for the hot products round? All right, here we go. On
3: Thanksgiving night, November 24th, 1988, live from the Richfield Coliseum in uh, Richfield, Ohio, 13,500 were in attendance for a new, fairly new wrestling pay-per-view tradition spectacle. Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura called and hosted this exciting night of big-time wrestling. The uh, team matches set for this evening, including four five-on-five Survivor Series elimination-style tournaments. We had the first match with the Blue Blazer, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Jumpin' Jim Brunzel, Sam Houston, and the Ultimate Warrior, who defeated the Honky Tonk Man, Outlaw Ron Bass, Dangerous Danny Davis, uh, Bad News Brown, and Greg Valentine. In a rare ten on ten survivor series match, we had the powers of pain, the rockers, the British Bulldogs, the Heart Foundation, and the young stallions Jim Powers and Paul Roma defeating demolition, the Brainbusters, Bolsheviks, fabulous Rougeos, and the conquistadors. next match was uh Andre the Giant, Dino Bravo, Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude, defeating Jake the Snake Roberts, Cacksaw Jim Duggan, Ken Patera, uh, and Tito Santana, and some other guy I've never heard of. Uh, Hercules, and then the main event of uh, Hercules, Hillbilly Jim, Coco Beware, Hulk Hogan, and Randy Macho Man Savage defeated Akeem, the African Dream, Big Boss Man, Haku the Million Dollar Man, and Red Rooster. So you ask, where is the comedy? comes in this 1988 pay-per-view. It's the hilarious, chaotic promos leading up to the Survivor Series, where always some of the wildest and wackiest promos I've ever seen came out of, especially in 1988, was only the second annual. And uh, when you have five of the biggest, baddest personalities in wrestling, cutting extra loud promos all at the same time about how their team, the Ultimate Maniac holsters, was gonna survive on Thanksgiving night, brothers. Here's a paraphrase of a, I was going to try to play a little clip, but this is just, it's too wild. Just like the change unite us as one man. This is symbolic to what went down when the mighty Hercules united us, man with our tippy tippy toes in the ocean, hanging on palm trees on each side, holding each other's hands, when Hercules screamed, unite us as heavens as Hulkamaniacs. We were struck with the lightning, hillbilly Jim, Hercules, Coco, the Macho Man, and myself, all fighting and one of all thinking the same and one explosive in the same night, the same time Survivor Series. After that, how can you not want to order this (laughs) 1999-1988 pay-per-view? Don't be shut out. Call your local cable company operator now. If for anything, just the promos of the second annual Survivor Series, WWF pay-per-view, Thanksgiving night, November 24th, 1988. Brother. (laughs) (laughs) I I I went, I was gonna play the clip because it's bonkers, but just saying it was even funner because it's like doesn't make any sense even when you say it. But that was actually verbatim what Hulk Hogan said, followed by Coco Beware, uh Macho Man and the rest with their nonsensical yeah, just gibber jet. That's how if you ever want to have fun, go just look up, just Google or type in any Survivor Series promo, and you'll be entertained. Comedic gold. <laughs> Every one of them from 87
0: to 90. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> All right, guys. So here on the show, we have picked concert tickets many, many times as hot products. Because, you know, that's what people were spending their money on. So, you know, so why not some stand-up comedy tickets? And if you happened to live in Phoenix, Arizona in 1978, you could have been part of comedy history. So let's take a look at the pages of the Arizona Republic, July 23rd, 1978, where an ad is advertising George Carlin. Tickets are available at the Celebrity Theater Ticket Office only, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, July 21st, 22nd, and 23rd at 8 p.m. for the low, low, low price of just $7.50 you could have seen one of George Carlin's great performances in what would become just his second of 12 HBO specials. Uh, This special would eventually air in September of 1978 uh, for HBO's 1.5 million subscribers at the time. Uh, The show would eventually be released on DVD as George Carlin again. Uh, A lot of the fan favorites bits are performed on this one, as well as some new fan favorites as well. A rendition of the seven words you can never say on television. Uh, George Carlin talks about death. You get a new version of the new news. And then George talks about kids and parents and why there is no blue food. He ponders why women wear evening gowns to nightclubs and why they don't wear nightgowns. So new to the show is Carlin's bit on time and the words that describe time and different increments of time. And of course you get the hippy dippy weather, man, and you could have seen it all for $7 and 50 cents. I give you the hottest ticket in town, George Carlin at the celebrity theater in Phoenix, Arizona, July 21st through the 23rd of 1978. Nice. All right, man crush. We're going to throw it over to you. What is your verdict on the Hut products round?
2: uh let's see so joe came out with uh steve Martin. what was the name of that book clear drivel pure pure right. pure or clear
0: pure <laughs> clear drivel <laughs> is that the
2: <laughs> it's a clear drivel but i'm glad you agreed with me the first time um yes. the only thing that i wrote in my notes is uh, 100 and- anybody that has that regardless if if he had sex with a 102 year old uh male turtle just when your mind gets there that that's where you're uh, you're up against. It's shot. Yeah. Uh, 1988 Survivor Series. I remember going to my friend Brent's house. We watched this there and the card was phenomenal. You're right. Those promos are tops. I mean, they weren't good,
0: but no, they're hilarious. They're hysterical. There there.
2: Yeah, they're and it always kind of makes me think of like the early 90s where, did you ever see the uh, the promo? I think it was with uh, Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan, where Hulk Hogan is wearing this green fucking uh, plastic mask. Yes. Yes. Dude, they must have done like 10 bumps of coke before they did that yeah. promo. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> Look it up. I think it's on our Facebook somewhere.
3: There was one where he like uh, Macho Man and uh, Zeus were the cage and like Macho Man drops down from the top of it. I don't know if it was Survivor Series, but it was hilarious that, like, they had the camera on Zeus, and then here comes Macho Man from the top of the cage comes down. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> what the hell? Like, how <laughs> did he come up with that? Like, let, let me hear brother. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the top of the cage. I'm going to come down from the top of the cage, you No, know, and you're not going to see me until the end of the promo, brother.
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure Vince just had trays of Coke in the back at that point.
0: Maybe that's what they should do now to increase the ratings. I don't know. Oh man. Ah, Well, it was also
2: the only thing on television. That's what's missing. Uh, then we got 98. You got George Carlin. I mean, what can I say? 78. That's what I said. 78 George Carlin. What can I say? (laughs) Uh, the only thing I can say is, uh, $7 and 50 cents. As everybody knows, I love to, uh, do those inflation numbers for you. But, uh, I no longer can, because I think in 2022, it's something like $320.70. 500, 500
3: uh, bitcoins.
2: But I have to go with George Carlin on that. I mean, really? Is it really a, even a thing? I, just, I watched one of his stand-ups just at random, and that's the best thing about George Carlin. You can pick any stand-up special that he had. It didn't matter how old he was. This guy was so sharp. Again, maybe it was cocaine, but. He was so sharp. He would have like a 20 minute thing that during the whole thing in your head, you're just like, I, can, I can't remember that much shit in a week. <laughs> and this guy is just throwing it all out there at a million miles an hour. So, yeah, he, dude's a legend. Everything he did was gold. So, yeah, George Carlin.
0: All right. I tied this game up with Joe. We're heading into our final one point round. I have control of the board. I think it's time to go to the movies round for this comedy duel all right so for my movies pick this week let's go back to 1978 and in 1978 there was one real big comedy film that would go on to change the trajectory of comedy for decades to come and that movie of course is animal house but everybody knows about animal house so tonight I give you a film that was recently brought to my attention by a loyal listener of the show, Eric Terrio. Released in drive-ins everywhere, I present to you a movie that had the tagline in newspapers, they're a close encounter of a different kind. It's Vampire Hookers, starring the patriarch of the Carradine family, John Carradine. This campy comedy horror, it's just B-movie bliss complete with over-the-top screams and howls that I haven't heard since that time Goofy went skiing. Not to mention a (laughs) wannabe vampire manservant named Pavo who sucks his own farts through a hose. It's Manos the Hands of Fate meets Frankenhooker. I am sure drive-in audiences were delighted at the film's climax when you get a five-to-six-minute slow-motion orgy scene all set to music The whole thing amounts to a lot of side boob, chest kissing and asking, whose turn is it? Then every few seconds, it cuts to paintings on the walls of pagans actually having sex. So if you were to pick this one up at the local video rental store, the back of the VHS box reads, A tale of three American sailors on the town in an exotic oriental port. Eddie takes on a luscious hooker. Terry and Tom take on too much beer and wake up in the brig. To find that Eddie is a wall a frantic search for Eddie leads them to an old cemetery inhabited by vampires the leader of the vampires John Carradine assisted by an apprentice vampire Pavo a bludgeoning idiot is luring fresh blood for three buxom vampire hookers our three heroes soon find that the sexy vampire hookers are a little horny after a hundred and thirty seven years of celibacy and now they kill their victims with love. Blood is not all they suck. I give you Animal House. <laughs> Vampire hookers.
2: <laughs> if you switched, I was
0: just going to <laughs>
3: drop you. from the-
0: <laughs> All right, Joe Finley, it is over to you for the movies round.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to give you from June 12th, 1998. It's an adaptation of a Roald Dahl story, and it's not a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's nothing like that. In fact, this movie was made to be a rated R film starring somebody recently fired from Saturday Night Live. I give you Dirty Work. Starring Norm MacDonald and Artie Lang. Uh, also starring Christopher MacDonald, Chevy Chase, uh, featuring cameos by Don Rickles, Rebecca Romaine, John Goodman, Adam Sandler, Gary Coleman, Dave Koechner, uh, and uh, oh, Chris Farley is in the movie as well. And uh, Chris's brother, Kevin, has a small part in it as well. This was actually the final released film appearance of Chris Farley uh, after his death. He had... His last official movie was not this it was um almost heroes but he but this movie came out afterwards so this he shot this first but that one uh but this one came out last uh it was also the feature film directorial debut of bob saget who we just recently lost so we have a lot of we have a lot of comedians that we lost in this again unfortunately but anyways uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But anyways, this is based on Roald Dell's short story, Vengeance is Mine, Inc. It's uh, uh, the whole movie is about a pair of uh, friends who start a revenge for hire business to fund one of the friend's dad's heart surgery. Uh, It comes off uh, the end of Saget's run as host of America's Funniest Home Videos. As I said, Norm MacDonald was just fired from uh, Saturday Night Live at this point for refusing to stop making O.J. jokes when the head of NBC, uh, or like an executive at NBC, was a good friend of O.J.'s. Um, And it ended so poorly, like that relationship, that NBC refused to actually sell any ad time for this movie until like almost a month after it came out. And that was just after they finally said, you have to stop. Like They they went to Don Olmeyer. And uh, what was interesting on top of that is he was forced into retirement shortly thereafter. I think that his, uh, his grudge-holding days had started to hurt business a little bit. But uh, the movie itself, uh, not a critical or financial success by any means uh, until later on in life, and it found new life as this cult classic, and people who reviewed it poorly in 98 came back and like well, looking at it in a different light and gave it a much uh, kinder review. So uh, it's one of those ones that was better with age. I
0: give you dirty work. Nice. It's such a fun movie, man. It's always
3: good to revisit that one. Yeah. It holds up. It's hilarious.
0: All right, Chucky over to you. What did you bring for the movies round? Well, I'm bringing kind of a cult classic as well. A definitive horror comedy.
3: Um, The classic story of uh, Barbara and Adam Maitland dying in a car accident they find themselves stuck in uh, haunting their own country residence, uh, unable to leave the house. When an unbearable, the unbearable Deepses, Catherine O'Hara and Jeffrey Jones, with, along with their teen daughter Lydia Winota Ryder in her first uh, first acting debut, uh, don't quote me on that, um, buy their home and refuse and refuse to be driven away. Uh, Adam and Barbara take it uh, take it on the help from a mischievous ghost with the most to help instill some real hauntingly fear into this kooky family. Directed by Tim Burton, his second movie after Pee-wee's big adventure. Uh, Alec Baldwin, starring Alec Baldwin, and I believe his first, maybe his first acting uh, role as well. Gina Davis, Jeffrey Jones, Catherine O'Hara, Winona Ryder, and Michael Keaton. Uh, music by da- the great Danny Elfman. It spawned a Saturday morning cartoon, merchandising, and most recently a Broadway musical, Groan! Uh, one of my favorite Michael Keaton. No, it'll, it'll. I'll just say it. Fuck, it's my favorite fucking Michael Keaton movie. It's the best. I mean, Batman's good, but yeah, his, his role in this movie is amazing. Um, such memorable lines. You can't go a month. I cannot, I can't go a month without hearing someone say to me, We've come for your daughter, Chuck. I don't even have kids, so.
1: Yeah, but at least you're Chuck. Yeah. If they said it to me, it'd be really weird.
3: <laughs> Fun fact, this was nearly titled House Ghosts. Get it? Ghosts. Anyway, please never remake or reboot. March 30th, 1998, the release of Beetlejuice, 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 the movie that got me suspended from fifth grade, when I was on the playground after my uncle took me to see this movie on Monday morning, I was telling all the kids on the playground about it and uh, reenacted the nice fucking model scene. It, within earshot of a teacher, got suspended. <laughs> Good memory. I mean, that Beetlejuice.
1: You know. <laughs> Fun fact about that one: I have multiple times held the Emmy, uh, the daytime Emmy for uh, best animated. Uh, show for Beetlejuice in my hand because my work uh, well the a company owned by my company Nelvana Nobody. actually made Beetlejuice yeah. so we actually have it and not locked up either so I've, <laughs> I've like literally picked it up a bunch of times i have
0: <laughs> masturbated with it Joe's just gonna borrow
1: it no it's <laughs> Emmys are pointy we don't mess around
0: hey <laughs> different strokes <laughs> alright man crush it's time to throw this one over to you what is your verdict for the movies round all right honestly like I have
2: to say this is the toughest round so far and I I feel for all of our judges that are usually in the seat because at this point like how do you pick do you pick with what you want to watch do you pick what you're supposed to watch or do you pick what nobody watched but you you probably just want to check out anyway Um, (laughs) and then I'm a little disappointed with you Chucky because you didn't bring any dead hookers and Joe and Mark—they both brought dead hookers.
1: I know, I know. That's that's the story of my life. You know, I'm the guy who brings dead hookers. So, in fairness, there there are dead hookers in uh, Beetlejuice, yeah. in Beetlejuice's scene. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say in the in the oh, yeah. True, yeah. Those those
2: are classier classier hookers. Well, those are more like. They were back, in the, you know,
3: in the 20s and 30s. They were classier. All right,
2: so all three of you brought dead some hookers. sort of dead hooker. Bravo for that. Awesome. Uh, so that, that leaves me in the middle again. Uh, so I got to eliminate one of these and uh, stuff, but you know what? I'm going to be honest here. I got to get, I'm going to get rid of Beetlejuice first. I, wow. I never have wow. been, I, I, and I think I probably sold it on this game before, but uh, yeah. it's, I just, it's not for me anymore. I think even when I was a kid, I, I wasn't really a big fan of, it. I was already watching like, real horror movies, so it just never really resonated. Um And then, uh Mark, man, you came with that Vampire Hookers, and that sounds delightful.
0: It is on Tubi for free if anyone wants to check it out. Shit. <laughs> it's an hour and 14 minutes. It is a quick watch. Easy watch cake. Fuck, you're
2: twisting my arm here.
1: Man Crush's shit right there was the shit of a man who's gonna stay up late watching that yeah. movie tonight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't. I don't blame you one bit.
2: <laughs> I mean, fuck. I gotta go with. Uh, I gotta go with Dirty Work. Oh. It's it's classic. Yeah. It's one of those movies. I've seen it a hundred fucking times. <laughs> you guys are brothers. Well, it's a long story. My dad boned his mom. Okay, it's a short story. It's fucking. <laughs> there's so many lines in the movie. It's amazing. Uh yeah. I got it. plus Norm was amazing. Another guy we lost, like you said, and then Bob Saget. And, of course, Chris Farley. Uh, That's a tough one. But, yep, I got to go dirty work. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Except for you, Joe. I give you a dead hooker.
0: (laughs) Thank you. All right, Joe Finley. You're the media king of the North, but so far you're the king of this game. You jump out to the lead, heading into our first two-point round, and you take control of the board. Where are we going?
1: All right, guys, let's take it to the music round. And I want to talk about November 24th, 1998. And this was an album with music from the show, inspired by the show, and sometimes having nothing to do at all with the show. Uh, But it was a very interesting album indeed. It's another thing that I did own. These are all things like I, these are fully Joe endorsed. (laughs) (laughs) And according to our zoom call, man crush has already caught it. Uh, It's, South Park's album Chef Aid was released on this date. Uh it actually came in three versions. There was a clean version, there was an explicit version that had the explicit sticker on it but then had still censored some things, and then there was the extreme version where nothing was censored at all. Uh I don't really know what the clean version was if they just there was just a blank CD for like Was that to, bullshit?
2: <laughs> I I always thought it was fake. I didn't think there was yeah. one
1: i i don't know i that's i read uh, when i was doing my research i read that there were three versions so i didn't find the three the the clean version i don't know what that would be but um can
2: you imagine you were that guy that bought that shit by accident (laughs) because nobody bought it on purpose
1: i love south park but not when they're being dirty (laughs) right (laughs) potty mountain But this thing had songs from, there was songs from DMX, Old Dirty Bastard, Ozzy Osbourne, Crystal Method. Oh, wait, sorry, that was one song with all those people on it. Uh, Rancid did some music. Uh, There's another one with Mace, Puff Daddy, Lil' Kim, and System of a Down teaming up. Uh, Elton John had a song. Devo had a song. Joe Strummer had a song. And then there was tons of other things that were more rooted in the show and from the show, Uh, the most famous of which was uh, Chocolate Salty Balls, from uh, chef which i actually today just as it came up i saw a clip on twitter of isaac hayes live singing chocolate salty balls at a wwe event (laughs) (laughs) and it was it was like wwe rage whatever that like pay-per-view was or whatever i think it was some kind of like special usa special or something and you could literally see like if for people who don't know anything about Scientology or the fact that uh, Isaac Hayes was a Scientologist, uh, you have a moment called your traumatic event, which kind of starts everything going. You could see that that singing that at that <laughs> WWE event was his traumatic event. And that's wherever they got rolling. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was just something else. And then they had other things. They had uh, Tonight is the Right for Love, which was uh, featured chef doing a duet with Meatloaf. Um, Mephisto and Kevin written by Primus and Trey Parker, Love Gravy written by Trey Parker, but sung by Ike Turner and Rick James of all people. And then uh, Eric Cartman singing come sail away, which probably makes me laugh the hardest of anything on that entire album. Uh, There's so many things on there and you can hear Kyle's mom's a bitch on there and all kinds of other stuff. It was just like one of those crazy things that like every teenager had to have at that time and i like i said i certainly did have it so uh chef aid the south park album november 24th 1998
0: nice yeah we had a copy of that at the radio station and uh i'm not gonna lie some of those may have uh found their way to the airwaves a few times so <laughs>
2: <laughs> fcc is listening
3: that tape got stuck in my uh buick when i was uh <laughs> my first buick and uh, the tape was stuck in the um uh, in the tape deck.
2: Is that a <laughs> Illinois thing, the Buick?
3: I think so. It was a, it was not even a Skylark, it was a Skyhawk. hawk that's, it Ooh, wasn't
1: even
2: a sky. Oh, like, that's yeah, sky
3: sporty. Hawk. Yeah, sporty, yep. <laughs> rust bucket. It was a rust. It had a hole in the a hole in the in the floor. Uh so yeah, it rusted through and uh it ended up catching on fire. <laughs> Um, time, and I was in the car, I didn't catch on fire in the car, I got out of the car before it burned. <laughs> All
0: right, Chucky, it is over to you. What is your selection for the music round? This album that I'm about to lay down and you drive turkeys is from
3: 1988, it was produced by former McCoys guitarist Rick Derringer and recorded between November 1987 and February 1988. This album helped to revitalize the career of said artist after a critical and commercial failure of his previous album entitled Polka Party from 1986. This album heavily parodied Michael Jackson's Bad album and song uh, from the cover to the first title track, Fat, along with Lasagna, a cover of La Bamba by Los Lobos, I Think I'm a Clone Now, by Tiffany, a parody of Tiffany's I Think We're Alone Now. And of course, this song is just six words long. I've Got My Mind Set On You. That was recorded by James Ray in 1962, but covered by George Harrison in 1987. So it's a parody of a cover. If you haven't guessed by now, yes, it's even worse. The fifth studio album by the king of the parody song, Weird Al Yankovic released on April 12, 1988. The first cassette that didn't get caught in my Buick Skylark <laughs> <laughs> I ever received or owned. I got for Christmas of 1988. It was my favorite freaking album. And I just heard today that they're planning a biopic of our yep. beloved Weird Al Yankovic and Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe is supposed to be up for the role of the weird one. Which is definitely weird, if you ask me. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know.
0: We'll see. All right, guys. So for my music offering this week, uh, you know, in 1978, this comedy duo was coming off massive success. They had 10 million comedy albums sold, four Grammy nominations, and a win for Best Comedy Recording. So what would the duo do for their next comedy album? How about a movie? I give you the comedy soundtrack album to the film that has the bilingual title song that gives you the life mantra, when troubled times begin to bother me, I take a toke and all my cares go up in smoke. It's Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke, the comedy album companion to their first movie, containing all the songs and bits from the hit movie of the same name. From Finkelstein's Shit Kid to the Ajax Lady, all the hits are here. As well as classic songs that were included in the film, like my personal favorite, Earache in My Eye, and Framed. The album also features the song Rock Fight and the reggae grooves of Searchin' and Low Rider by War. And who can forget the classic First Gear, Second Gear? That's the bit where the guys smoke a doobie full of doggy doo-doo. Billboard board magazine named up in smoke as one of the 10 best stoner film soundtracks of all time. And for its 40th anniversary Rhino records released a seven inch vinyl in the shape of a marijuana leaf complete with a marijuana scented scratch and sniff sticker. And in the Grammy award museum, it actually features a up in smoke exhibit, which has the master tape for the soundtrack, the original script, a few quote-unquote smoking devices, and some of Cheech's blazing Chicano guitars. So slap on the vinyl, roll one up, for Cheech and Chong's Up and Smoke, the soundtrack. All right, Man Crush, what is your verdict on the music round? Oh, this one's easy,
2: easy, easy, weird owl, even worse. Talked about it on the show before. Got it for my 10th birthday
3: yeah <laughs> which is the Christmas. next day april 13th yep.
2: 1988 so it wasn't all that bad of a year but yeah. the other ones obviously they're both uh, epic but that one that holds yeah. it near and dear so yeah. you get it chucky so we got I only got one close, weird al
1: go close figure game literally <laughs> the first thing i looked for was a weird al and i, I was one year removed from a weird al album yeah,
3: that was a great album. It really was. It was, I mean, and what's kind of funny as you think about it, it's like he really hit with two Michael Jackson parodies right off. It's like first it was "Eat It," and then right after, you know, he kind of had a lull, and then you know, a fat came out, and it was like he was revitalized after that. So,
2: Joe, you were you were a hair away from getting it just because of Love, Gravy, <laughs> Rick James, and Ike Turner together is like uh, earth shattering. It only happened once because the earth couldn't handle it
0: god bless Trey marker <laughs> all right well this game just got a whole lot more interesting as chucky now ties it up heading into the final round all right chucky you have control of the board which means you're in the position of either being able to go first or deferring as we go into the final round the television round i'm gonna defer to joe all right
1: let's do it to it <laughs> let's Let's set the bar for 1998. And this was a big one, guys. Um, It was a TV episode that was so secretive. uh, It had to be called by a different name. It was actually uh, shot under the production A Tough Nut to Crack so people didn't know what they were shooting. No extras were hired for this. No studio audience was brought in. It was all friends and family of the crew doing both jobs with really strict NDAs in place. The table read actually was immediately followed by the collection and destruction of all but one of the scripts to make sure that absolutely nothing leaked. And they filmed an alternate ending. Uh, but more importantly, the, the TV channel TV Land didn't even put a show on to go against it because it was such a big deal. They, all they did was put up a still that said the following. We're TV fans, so we're watching the last episode of Seinfeld. We'll return at 10 p.m. Eastern. (laughs) They didn't put on a show. They just said Seinfeld's on. Go watch Seinfeld. That's what it was. May 14th, 1998. Seinfeld, the episode called The Finale. In this episode, Jerry and George's sitcom finally gets picked up, and they're given a private plane, and they decide to go on a little celebration with their friends. The The plane goes down. And they all survive, but there's an admission that uh, somebody cheated on a contest and a few other things in there. And But they end up okay. That's great. Now they're in this tiny little town while the plane's being fixed, and they witness a man being mugged on the street, for which they are arrested for not helping because this small town has a good Samaritan law. The second half of the episode is entirely a trial and it's very much based on their character, and so a lot of character witnesses are brought in. And ladies and gentlemen, pretty much every single person who's ever been on this show shows up. Your Babu Bots, your Kenny Banyas, your like all these different people show up. Uh, Terry Hatcher—they are real. They are spectacular. Uh, I don't think they were real, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, it was, <laughs> lit- but literally when you. When you looked at the background, like, all the people sitting in the court watching the trial, it looked like when you were watching, like, a, a Saturday Night Live, like, uh, like 25th anniversary show or something. It's just all people you recognize. It was something else. Uh, the commercial time for the show reached a $1 million per 30-second uh, price, which is all, which was only ever met by the Super Bowl at that point. This is the first ever TV show that ever got that uh but what was really interesting is this is a show that went out on top this was the highest rated season that they had ever had it had always gone up every year the one year it dipped just a teeny bit and then jumped up again after that uh the the whole cast was making a million an episode uh it was just out of this world it's the fourth highest viewed finale of all time uh behind uh mash cheers and the fugitive it got 76.3 million viewers that's like a third of the adults in the united states come on well there's probably more than i don't know how many goddamn kids there are <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it was an event was the episode disappointing to some yes to some no uh but it just did not get bigger than that in television in 1998 so i give you the finale of seinfeld nice
0: Yeah, I mean, what did people expect? It's a show about nothing. I mean, why would you want an ending with, you know, substance? Yes. So rather than that, they elected to go for total fan service, which, absolutely. So, yeah. (laughs) All right, guys. So from my television comedy pick, let's look at the Ashbury Park Press, September twelfth, nineteen 1978, where an article reads, ABC, in its quest to stay first in the ratings this season, will get much help from a new comedy premiering tonight. It's Taxi, starring Judd Hirsch and a first-rate supporting cast. Set in New York, it concerns the lives of folks laboring for the Sunshine Cab Company. Hirsch plays the only real cabbie. The others, they're just hacking it until they get a break for their real calling. There's guys (laughs) like Tony, played by Tony Danza, He's a young boxer who tends to spend much time and prone, unconscious, on the canvas. That earns him much considerable needling from cheerful, sarcastic Taxi Dispenser, played by Danny DeVito. There's also Bobby, played by Jeff Conway. He's an unsuccessful actor. And then there's immigrant mechanic Latka Gravis, portrayed by brilliant young comic Andy Kaufman. His spirit, well, it's willing, but his English... It's fractured beyond repair, the article says. Two other regulars, Mary Lou Henner and Randall Carver, round out the excellent ensemble. The article actually fails to mention the series standout, Christopher Lloyd, as Reverend Jib Ignatowski, one of the best comedic characters in the history of television. A character who used so many drugs in college, he actually changed his name to ignatowski thinking that it was the backward pronunciation of star child so because of the insane number of award nominations that this show got and it for a show that only lasted five seasons its record actually looks more like tony banta's boxing record of eight wins 24 losses with 14 knockouts because taxi ended up going 18 for 31 at the emmy awards including nominations for three outstanding comedy series. And they also went four for 25 at the golden globes. So I give you the debut of taxi September 12th, 1978. Nice. All right, Chucky, why don't you close this one out? What did you bring for the television round? Well, it's hard to
3: top taxi and Seinfeld's finale, but I'm going to give it my old college try here. Uh, Canadian sketch comedy. I immediately think of SCTV. How about you, Joe?
1: Usually SCTVs SCTV is my goal, Well, in
3: 1988, this all changed big time when HBO premiered an hour-long cable special produced by SNL creator, godfather once again, Lauren Michaels. Uh, starring at the time unknown, unknowns in comedy, Dave Foley, Mark McKinnon, Mark McKinnon uh, Bruce McCullough, uh, Kevin McDonald and Scott Thompson, I don't know, I'm having such a hard time with that, uh, formed their uh, comedy troupe in around circa 1984 with a similar Monty Python style of off-the-wall, after-dark, dark dark Canadian humor. Most of us Gen Xers uh, watched it on late-night reruns, and for many of us who mostly grew up on Lauren Michaels' SNL, we're introduced to this alt-late 80s, 90s era of groundbreaking sketch comedy. Sketches for this hour-long pilot included Millionaires in the Trash, Crying Guy, Dave Foley uh, performed, the introduction of the I'm Crushing Your Head Guy performed by Mark McKinnon. (laughs) Where do you idiots come from? You get your head crushed so terribly. And the beloved Cabbage Head, the sleazy cigar-smoking dude trying to get laid after a date uh, performed by Bruce McCullough, very underrated uh, comedian. Um, This pilot led to the following year of airing uh, the CBC Canada and HBO nationally uh, 1989 and 1995 five season series run, uh, plus a heavily censored uh, syndication uh, that played late night on CBS and Comedy Central, as we all probably saw, and of course the 1996 film that followed that proceeded at Brain Candy. Mine and other all-time favorite sketch comedy shows. Yes, the Kids in the Hall premiered the hour-long HBO special October sixteenth, nineteen eighty-eight.
0: Fantastic! Huge Kids in the Hall fan. Good stuff. Yeah,
3: good stuff, man. Groundbreaking, groundbreaking.
0: Oh well, let's see what Man Crush thinks. Maybe he doesn't think it's so groundbreaking. Probably. All right, Man Crush. Let's (laughs) toss it over to you. What is your verdict? on the television round and ultimately this game
2: all right they all they're all good picks uh but we'll just start from the end here uh chucky man kids in the hall it's great i just don't think that it it's not gonna make it in this round. <laughs> I, I'm not you taking saw, anything away from it. You like sound
3: like a guy on the casting. and got like, you know what? Yeah, we're just not gonna feel it right I, now. I, I just I, don't call. I know that. I, you? You know?
2: I know that's uh, another loss for you, but it's a solid pick. It's it just doesn't stand up to this round. I mean, this yeah, is uh, this a tough one. I
3: completely one. understand, especially against Seinfeld. I know. You and can't... like I
2: brain candy, I love.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: But you know what? I love the state too when that was on. Right, Remember that right. guy.
3: Yeah.
2: Totally. I'm going to dip
3: my balls in it.
2: <laughs> Not even your pick, but I figured I'd throw it out there. Um, Mark, yeah. you I, you brought Taxi. Obviously, I was born in 1978, so I didn't see it when it was on television. So that takes a hit with, this, uh, with my selection because I had to watch it in reruns like we all did. And I think having that feeling of watching it when it was live or at least when it was premiered, it gives it a little bit more... Heart, yeah. you know, you you like it a little bit more, but I mean, amazing cast. You got Andy Kaufman, DeVito, a man so large that you don't even need to see it, say his fucking first name. You had uh, Tony Danza, Mary Lou Henner, Abe pagoda Did you even you brought him up right?
3: No. <laughs> why not? Why not bring up Yeah. Why not bring up Abe pagoda' Because
0: he really <laughs> wasn't on Taxi. So <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't you talk about him? So I should just bring him up randomly. Yeah.
1: So anyways, my pick was taxi. Isn't Abe Vigoda great?
0: <laughs> Can you picture Abe Vigoda in that show? He would have fucking oh. fit perfectly. Yeah, it would have been like Barney Miller. Across <laughs> over <laughs> yes.
3: the crossover century. I
2: think he just left that out. But anyhow, the Seinfeld thing, I remember it. And I wasn't the hugest fan in the last episode, but it's a classic series. And I remember the last episode because our power went out. I don't remember, though, if it was like an all New York thing or if it was all, you know, by the city or whatever. But we missed like the first like 10 minutes of the show. Wow. So we all got in late, or at least up where I lived. we We missed like the first 10 minutes. So I actually ended up watching the rest of it in reruns.
0: Oh, my God. People must have been pissed in New York. Oh, it was crazy,
2: man, because the power went out, like, around, like, 8-something, and everyone was like, what? Like, the shit's coming on in, like, 40 minutes. Wow. That's bananas. Yeah, it was insane. I got to look that up if it was, like, a state thing, because I remember it was all over the news and shit, but maybe it was, like, local news at the time. I don't remember.
3: New York just got the phone.
2: That would be 10 minutes of the show. (laughs) I'd rather it be the first 10 minutes than the last 10 minutes, especially on a final episode, because I'll figure out that nothing's going on anyway, because it's Seinfeld. So you don't need to see the first 10 minutes, really. You just miss 10 minutes of setup comedy. You know, so still, still great. Seinfeld is amazing. I own the whole series. So go Seinfeld. Come oh, to this, find
1: out. I was going to say, this went beyond New York. I just looked it up. Sorry. The Baltimore Sun reported on this, and Baltimore had an outage during the beginning of the show as well
0: damn the outages were actually caused by abc trying to fuck over nbc <laughs> <laughs> and and
2: actually you you know why it's also a bigger deal you said it was fourth all time with ratings but it holds like way more prominence you know it's oh, 1998 yeah. there's a shitload of stuff on tv yeah 1960s and 70s you're, you have three things to watch yeah you know, so like it's hard for me to go back and watch old shows, especially back from the seventies. I have to really give them a feel. I need like three or four episodes, and sometimes I'm just like, "This is not good." But this was all that they had to watch, so people are like,
0: "Oh, this is shit." There's cameras, people moving on my <laughs> TV set. Yeah, why the hell do you think Little House on the Prairie stayed on? Yeah, TV that's so what I long? mean. Yeah. The <laughs> <what a> courtship <laughs> of Eddie's father. <laughs> like,
3: <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, that's why we, when we Incredible Hulk shit. came on. Everyone was like, "Oh, the
0: Incredible Hulk! Holy shit!" Like,
2: yeah, that like blew people's fucking oh, minds.
0: Another episode of the Waltons? Yes.
2: <laughs> Can you imagine how depressing? No wonder everybody was fucking smoking cigarettes in their
0: house. <laughs> <laughs> and like, top it off with a good
3: old, good old episode of Archie Bunkers Place. You know, <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like oh Mash again.
3: Yeah, MASH again. God. They're
2: just patching people up, Damn. making corny jokes. I Like, that's a show that I know is huge. There's only a handful of episodes of MASH where I was, like, really into it.
3: Oh, I love MASH. Do you know what MASH reminds me and everyone else probably of? Is MASH was always a thing that went on before you had to go to sleep at night. Yes. Like, it was always, like, play. Like, that was the only thing I remember about MASH. I never watched it. I just remember the beginning. And then, like, I would turn it off and put on, like, Johnny Carson or something. You know, it's like you would be ending the night with fucking
1: so anytime you hear it you think i gotta go to sleep now trying (laughs) hard to not remember that that song is called suicide is painless right (laughs) before you go to sleep before you fucking lay down for the night (laughs) and they
0: only had three things to watch (laughs) all right joe finley looks like you Pick up a victory on this one. Congratulations, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, you can't really beat Seinfeld, you know? I mean thank... That was
3: an ape up the sleeve, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> can't go wrong. With or or dirty work. Or dirty work, yeah. Dirty work. Of, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of dead comedians in Seinfeld to carry me over this because I also almost used uh Seinfeld's I'm telling you for the last time as my hot product.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> can't compete compete (laughs) all right joe why don't you tell everybody what you have coming up on your youtube channel and on miscast commentary
1: oh we are doing a ton uh for people who do listen to miscast commentary uh it is also a youtube channel and you can watch the video version of all that so if you want to see a couple of fat guys sitting next to each other talking about movies that's the way to do that um and we're just uh kicking through catching up on the MCU right now, everything that's on Disney+. And we have, uh, on February 4th, we're doing a commentary of Jackass to commemorate the release of Jackass Forever. Uh, And then on my regular YouTube channel, just lots of uh, gear reviews and stuff like that. I've got a really interesting one coming up, a brand new uh, device from a brand new company. And uh, it's a lot of excitement on the socials for that and uh yeah that should be coming any day like literally the snowstorm i think stopped it from getting it to me already and i'm watching people tweet going i've got it i've got it and i'm like get it to me (laughs) so (laughs) I'm, i'm freaking out over here so uh that's what i'm doing right now and we're just you know having a good old time so you can check me out on there at miscast joe
0: all right chucky what do you got coming up on the next episode of garbage pail flicks
1: yes things and stuff uh
3: the new garbage pill flicks podcast is coming in the next few weeks i'll be diving into friday night videos for us that didn't have mtv back in the 80s and 90s um since i found a vhs full of them why not talk about them um and of course my youtube channel the garbage pill flicks vhs where you can tune in and trash out to videos uploads of the retro type and finally, my zero budget horror comedy film based on true events. events. Hashtag showman's unrest. I wrote and directed and created back in the 2000s. Is available on YouTube and playing in for the first, playing for the first in their first, <laughs> playing in the first film festival, the Terrible Two Day Fest up in Toronto, Canada, this March 25th through the 27th. Hashtag ride at the movies. Of course, all the info and more can be found on my social media, Werewolf of Berwyn, Instagram, and hashtag six feet under the big top. Thanks for having me on again, guys. It's always fun. I'm going to win one of these days, I promise. One of these (laughs) days.
0: You'll get there.
1: I know exactly what it felt like, man. It was a struggle. It was a struggle. And then you punch through and it's the greatest feeling of all time. Then you just feel like, okay, I might as well just leave the show now because it's not going to top this. (laughs) <laughs> well,
3: you know, one day, one day I'm gonna be able to host a show. One day, you know, <laughs> yeah, you, gotta, you gotta break through your
0: uh, your rookie wall. You got it? Well, see, you unknowingly set yourself up for failure because, see, I gave Chucky the very first pick of the years mm-hmm. '70s, '80s, or '90s, and uh, he picked '80s, so he got '88, not knowing that Man Crush absolutely despises <laughs>
3: 1988. <laughs> And, and, the, and the one year that I loved, I could have picked so... 88 was like chock full of everything, and I was just doomed from the beginning, I guess. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to think, man, Chris doesn't like me, so I'm just going to, you know... <laughs>
2: every every time I get... A, it's not yeah, It's a year, for it's real. Year. Every time I get 88, yeah. I'm
3: like, <laughs> fuck. 87 would have been fine, but 88, you know? 87. 87's another...
1: 87's the year. 87's me,
3: great. 87 through 89 is like gold. I don't
0: know. I just... Loved it. Good memories, man. (laughs) Yes, sir. All right, Man Crush. Why don't you tell everybody what we got coming up on future episodes here of Dueling Decades? All right. So next week,
2: we got a former Dueling Decades judge and a former Dueling Decades stalwart coming back. Should be a fun one. That's all I'll
0: tell you. Ooh, a little bit of a mystery and intrigue here. And Chucky
3: coming back to win.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, duelers. Well, if you've missed an episode, you can always head over to DuelingDecades.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere that podcasts are available. And then while you're on those interwebs, head on over to our Facebook page, Facebook.com forward slash Dueling Decades. And over there, you can share some of your own retro memories. So until next time, Duelers, we're going to bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a grateful week, everyone. Awesome.
2: Podcast, Podcast
0: New York. Be heard.